Hey, hey, it's Pablo. Welcome back to the show. Today is another one of those fascinating conversations I got to have at PodMax with Josh McCallan, who I didn't know before this, so it's a little bit of a get to know you, but we get into it real quick. He's got this amazing disruptive model for developing, operating, and fundraising for hospitality resorts in a totally vertically integrated way. You're going to get a lot, a lot of value out of this one. Super woke, dude. Enjoy. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, In my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome back to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am your host and Chief Executive Connector, Pablo Gonzalez. And today we are back at PodMax where I get to meet fascinating people and it is no exception. I am super pumped to talk to Josh McAllen, who is the founder of Accountable Equity and the host of the Capital Hacking Podcast, a good friend of a good friend, <laughs> Eric Cabral. That's Josh, right. welcome to the show, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, Pablo. You know, it, we're at all these events together with Podmaxing and podcasting, and you are always like the hero of most of these events. So I feel honored to be on your show, Mr. Chief Executive Connector. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I, you know, it's one of those things where for whatever reason, I'm good at calling attention to myself and and, and, <laughs> and that's, you know, for, 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 for better or worse, it's my superpower. So I've, I've tried to enlist that superpower into, into serving with it. Right. And, and, and showing attention to other people that I think are really valuable, Thank man. You. And that's what this podcast is all about. And as I was kind of telling you, I have this thesis on human connection where the two quickest way to connect people to each other is to showcase their value, which we're about to do, or if the person I'm trying to connect somebody to shares a vulnerability. And sure. in order to in order to enable that, I ask all my guests to start off with what's something that you're either struggling with right now or something maybe you've struggled with in the past so that our friend that's listening in her ear can can see you as the human being that you are before the hero that we paint. Wow, I love yeah, wow, what a great what a deep way of approaching life, Pablo. Thank you for that. The answer is, is we are all made up of struggles. I think the struggles are really the greatest parts. You know, there's that book Ryan Holiday talks about where the obstacle is the way. And uh, boy, that hit me hard about four years ago when uh, a lot of life changes happened. We were a 
president of a big company, resort hospitality developer, and it came to the end of a run as a partner. And you know, basically, the partnership came to an end. And so we were we were purchased out. And that allowed us to launch all the new things we do today. As a matter of fact, it's why we are on this podcast today is because it is a crazy pivot in our life. But I would say the biggest struggle today, here we are in 2021, is lack of we have to change a lot in our little company. We're we're growing nicely and we're changing and letting go of roles. And there's this interesting tug of war going on in the entire company where people that are founders with us and helped us set everything up are recognizing that we need even more specialists to take our own jobs. And boy, is that unsettling to know that someone who's going to be hired by our team is going to be technically better at one or two of the tasks that we've held on to. And my wife and I, lovely Melanie McCallan, this is what we talk about most nights now for the like a month is what is it going to be our, in our new role? There's anxiety about that, meaning you feel, well, I thought I was needed in that role. And now we're letting it go. And you do search a little bit about what, what, what value are you adding at the end of the day? So I would say these positive growing pains are creating a cert, certain soul searching. And, and there's also unclear, lack a little bit of confusion about how to get from here to where we're built to go, which is, you know, a lot more growth. So what other struggles are we going to go through? And maybe that's not the best example of a problem, but that and then parenting. Okay. So anybody who, is with us now and has any children. We have 10 children, Melanie and Jesus. I, and we're so happy about it, but it means we have like 21-year-old ladies and we have an 11-month-old dude. And you wouldn't believe the amount of yelling. To yeah, be honest with you, it, it's amount the amount of frustrations that each person can feel at different times and everybody having their own cycle. You really feel unqualified a lot and you, you have to struggle through that and just show up for everybody. Awesome. Well, listen, I really appreciate you sharing that, Josh. I, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into that. I think it's number one, it sounds like you have a very loud household, right? Like, I'll- <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, it does sound that way. It is true at times. You know, I find the, my wife and I aren't having kids, and I'd be lying if I didn't tell you it's, it's not in large part because of how daunting the effort is. But that being said, in what you're saying, I find something very natural to the human condition, which is what to do when you need to grow and the person below you is talent, not below you, but the person that you are trying to enlist in your growth, may, you may be at a point where you find a greater source of value in something that they have to offer, yet you are somehow in a line of command that's superior to them. And I see a parallel between parenting and what you're going through right now at work. So, I guess my question would be to you is in this soul searching of how do you transition into not having a scarcity mode around talent and and who needs to be the most talented person in the house, what is the value that you are seeing in yourself that you are going to bring to this equation when bringing on these specialists? Thanks for asking that. Melanie and I talk about this because Melanie, she laughs sometimes how much I listen to either great podcasts like yours or other thought-provoking soul searching reflections, whether it be books, like I just talked about Ryan holiday yeah. or joining go abundance masterminds, all these things are stretching me. So I think the, the best value that I'm bringing to the table today is a willingness to know are my own limitations, 
just a willingness. I'm not saying we're perfect. We're definitely not perfect, but it starts with an idea of, of being willing to not know the answer and being mm. vulnerable. Mm. And also the willingness to, to make these hard decisions to change. Not everybody wants to do that. So I'm very grateful that over the years, maybe it's influences like you or influences like other great people that have helped me question the status quo and then question my own perception of like, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this or what is you know the highest and best use? The willingness to grow. They call it self-development, whatever you might want to call it. But the willingness to enter into those challenging changes I think is the gift I'm bringing to the team right now. And I know it sounds so weird, but I guess you can understand that in a team that's killed it hard, worked hard together for all of us to be slightly displaced right now. I mean, we've brought on some amazingly talented people that have more credentials in areas than we do. And yet they're part of the organization we all created a few years ago. So that willingness to change, I think is the biggest thing I'm bringing. That's huge, man. You know, like, so somebody, somebody that's somebody that's been through change to be the the shepherd of of the change that's coming right like that is the one constant i also i i it's funny that you bring that up cuz i'm i'm starting to see that as a value in myself right like i'm somebody that moved around a lot as a kid i lived in three different continents before i was 9 wow and and that i think is where my people skills comes from right like my my empathy and willingness to see things as an outsider and ergo be a better communicator because i see it as an outsider instead of from the inside out it, 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 it's the stuff that makes you comfortable. And I also find that having gone through change and for the first time ever, I'm 40. So it's, I'm starting to go into, and I, and I'm big into, I'm big into like intergenerational relationships, but for the nice. first time ever, I find myself being the oldest guy in the room in certain rooms. <laughs> yeah. And, and I find that the ability to contextualize things based oh, on, yeah. based on past experiences and add context to uh, to no matter how talented people are, there's there is something to add there, right? Oh yeah, yep. Well, I love how you said it's your first time being forty, which which is often happens to us who are past forty. Yeah. No, I'm just messing with you. It's a high so correlation no, between turning forty and being the first time being forty. Yeah, it's a high correlation. Yeah, it's a high correlation. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I'm so excited to be on the show. I'm looking at all the great people you've you've kind of interviewed and I'm just impressed with what you've done. And I love the fact that you see part of your role in life as being a connector and, and you see this kind of, you're built on this idea of abundance. It's obvious. And you're built on the idea of giving first and then the reciprocity is natural. You know, it's like one of the basic principles of human life. You know, if someone's going to give to you, you'll often seek a way to return the, the gift. hundred percent. John, like to be perfectly honest with you, man, I, I don't want this to turn into the Pablo interview, but I, I I first enlisted that belief in a selfish manner, right? Like I read Robert Cialdini's Influence. I understood that one of the tenets of influence is giving somebody a gift, the reciprocity, right? Like the Harry Krishna strategy of the 70s of giving a flower and asking for a buck. And as I got a little bit older and I got really involved in nonprofit groups, I started realizing that the most influential people in town are on the boards of nonprofits and they've built their influence based on giving. And at, at, at a certain point, I realized in my early 30s that my Ace Ventura shtick had a shelf life and that serving others was really the long-term strategy. <laughs> Time out. What Ace Ventura stick? What shtick. do you mean, what Ace Ventura shtick, Josh? Oh, you had, you had a gift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've watched that movie too many times. Enough about me, man. Can you, can you, tell, me, can you tell me about... It's the first time I've ever heard that on a podcast, which makes this a great podcast, groundbreaking podcast. I'm so <laughs> glad to be on it. 
<laughs> All righty then. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about you? I would love to hear about your business now and the, what the model yeah. is because I find it very interesting. But you said that you had to pivot hard in, was it 2009 or was it another uh, time? But- 18. Okay, so, so really at a peak of uh, the economy and the peak of a lot of good things were happening. Uh, yeah, so from that point forward, we were we took an expertise. So I'll, this is actually going to be really cool for you. And anybody you want to connect to me that fits into this value chain, I'm really excited because right now we are in massive growth mode. So we need a lot more great people around us like you. And- but let me tell you a quick chronological story. So 18, we have been by that time in 2018, I mean, 2018, we had built a very large resort business to the point of like uh, president being president of about 500 staff seasonally growing the wealth of that business from an $8 million asset with investment all the way up to a hundred million dollar asset in eight years because we had made a few acquisitions and borrowed and all that good stuff, but real success. The biggest success was this, that we went through a conversion of sorts and we saw ourselves not no longer as resort developers, but as hospitality students. And then you know, we could start a whole monologue here about what is hospitality. We had to do this. We had to become students of hospitality because what we were doing was challenging. We were doing really luxurious, they're four-star, not five-star resorts, charging a premium, paying back the investment, and doing all that with a very short window of season because we were doing it in the Northeast of America. So we were doing it like a four month window. We're trying to pay a year's worth of wages back, you know, and, and investment back. And then the rest of the year we were taking pennies. My point is what we ended up realizing it was the challenge was in the service, not in the physical building. And so service became our mission. And mostly because I had to step in whenever a big manager would quit. So I would be in the business as the president, just trying to figure out how do we going to get through this weekend when we have a half a million dollars worth of revenue we got to make over the next few days. And our leadership is resigning because it's our first year and they're disgruntled. So we pivoted. We started digging deeper into the heart of service. And we ended up finding that hospitality, this works for you even if you're in any industry we're talking about. Say you're in manufacturing. I still argue what I'm about to share with you will change your business. And it changed us. So we sat there on the restaurant floor in a chaotic experience, recognizing that the human experience here was very vulnerable in hospitality. Now, in manufacturing, it's less vulnerable. But in hospitality, I used to say, we're touching the three most intimate things a person can do where their physical body starts to become spiritual. You know, things like I always say, the most intimate thing you can do with your body, the most spiritual thing you can do with your body is make a baby. The second most intimate thing you can do with your body is eat and drink. And drink is quicker. Liquor is quicker, I used to say. Because all of a sudden, what's going into our physical body changes our emotional state, our spiritual state. And, you know, by the way, what, thousands? of years, we've been talking about making business deals around breaking bread. Well, it's because something happens around a meal. It's weird, right? It's a physical thing that creates a spiritual reality. And then the third most physically spiritual thing you can do is go to sleep. Just the going to sleep process, which is a third of your entire life, makes you either angry or more peaceful if if we do it right or wrong. Anyway, let me just say that that was the pivot point. When I watched how radically different the experience for the guest was, when we were serving correctly, delivering with a good conversation, with a good quality of work compared to when we failed or lost staff or whatever. And I started creating this whole dissertation on how to do service at the highest level. And ultimately it wasn't about the way you serve. Like, so serve from the, you know, pick up the, make sure the forks on the left, the 
for it and life's on the right. Don't worry about that. That's not actually what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the heart. So we came up with three core principles about how to serve. And now I'm about to tell you too much, but I'm going to pause after this. So after I explain hospitality and our mission as a business, I'll explain why we then created a whole value chain of businesses to support this. But we, we now say at our current company, Viva May, where we, we train staff, we buy buildings, we you know serve guests, is we won't bring you on the team unless you agree to love these three core values. It doesn't make you a perfect person if you already have them, and it doesn't make you a bad person if you dislike them. But let me just tell you, we're not going to do hospitality without three core values. Joy of service. We won't let you on the team unless you like it. Humility of heart, that you seek humility and that you see it as a strength, not a weakness. And we'll explain. And three, ministry as a goal. Ministry is where you do a simple thing for a spiritual reason. So serving at a food kitchen because it's Thanksgiving, because you want to give back and have a ministry, is spiritual, even though all you did was pack a brown bag on Thanksgiving Day and drop it off at a family's home. All you did was simple tasks. Anyone could have done it, but you did it so that the guests at the other end of the the paper bag that day would have felt loved. And so it ended up, you transmuted a physical activity into a spiritual gift. And we can do that every day at hospitality. Maybe you can do it every day in every business, but in hospitality, it's ridiculously straightforward. The delivery of food to the table is not just your job. And yes, you have to do it in a certain number of minutes. And yes, it has to taste great and and be hot. But if you do it with the intention of love being the, the result, then you will communicate something to the guest as they experience it and the guest will be transformed and we call that reviving the soul so anyway that's what we're doing now and that's why we're having a lot of success and covid has become a pivot point again covid in hospitality has destroyed most businesses but ours pivoted deeply and we went and created covid compliant everything like outdoor dining and outdoor events and festivals and and we've had a 100% growth in corona compared to any year before in this business. So, and then we're looking at a 100% growth this year. So all of that is really just a foundation. I would love for you to ask me a question about hospitality because then after you ask me that question, I'd like you to have me come back circle hard and I'll tell you about the different companies and why they all fit. But I want to pause there because in these podcasts, I hate to over explain. So what about that correlates with your audience, Pablo? The first question that I have is, is it wrong for one man to tell another man he just met that he loves him? No, not at all. No. <laughs> Dude, we are so, everything you're saying, I'm so aligned with. I'm, I'm, I've become obsessed with core values as a yep. way to build an enduring company. And my lifelong obsession is the effect on the relationship experience on everything, right? Like I, I, I am, I am right now currently working on creating the category of relationship scaling. Cause I think every business is a relationship business mm-hmm. and the way that in the future you lower cost of acquisition and increase lifetime value of a client stems down to how genuine of a relationship you can build and how much you can create community around your business. And it sounds like you are, you, you're like right in line with that stuff. If I were to ask you about hospitality and service, and you're a real estate developer at the end of the day, right? Yes. Like, do you consider yourself a real, are you yeah. operating hotels? Oh, we do everything. And I'll explain all that after you ask this question, because that's where it gets really interesting about how we are trying to attract people at every level of the business model. But Coming from somebody who was in the construction world for 15 years, my wife's an urban designer. I would love to challenge 
something that you said of hospitality being about the the service and not the space and ask you how you consider the effect of the physical environment and what you're building <laughs> in a way that enables relationships a la yeah. you know, Pixar's headquarters and stuff like that. Are you up on that stuff? Well, that's, uh, you don't need, I don't know Pixar's, but what you're asking about is, you know, fundamental to how it all began. So really it all began as buildings and spaces and then we added in the hearts and the souls, meaning in our comprehension of what we were really doing. At first, we thought we were redesigning dead spaces, spaces that had failed from the you know for ten years, meaning they were functionally obsolescent. We were buying and restoring old properties. That's our that's our love. And so let's talk about spaces for a minute. In our core values, or in our name of our business, hospitality business is called Viva May. It means French for reviving the soul. So we'd like to buy historic buildings or, or tired buildings or misused buildings. So anything that can be restored. And we like to pull out the reason or the soul why it was built. A lot of times a family bought that building, put their whole life and heart into it, and they had a dream for it. So we actually like to uncover what the original dream was. Why was this building proximity to that building? Why did they do this? Why did they choose that architecture? And then we actually rebuild an architectural story first, and then we purpose build the new allocation of spaces so that the community can be built. So in hospitality, there's a lot of that. Now, the underlying principle is investors need a very healthy return to join us on this journey. So every space is truly a monetized space, but it has to be like organically monetized. Like, oh, so this space looked, was a cafe at one point. Let's, we have, by the way, what's cool about our business is when we buy one property, we get to do like three restaurants, outdoor venues, concert facilities, wedding venues, really an we build a small town like we have a 240 acre property we're restoring right now with 120,000 square feet so we're basically urban planners on our own land and everything is intentionally designed what was the story why this building's here why are we why are we so agro tourism focused why do we want more organic growth of physical plants next to our dining area you know what i mean my point is we really walk through that and it takes us a long time we have what what is called charrettes which are these planning meetings where everyone's in the room and space you know going back 10 years ago was all i talked about was space and how it spoke to the heart but now i realize even if the spaces are failing a bit but the guest experience is beautiful it does trump the space and the best example is in 2016, our team at that time became the seventh ranked American hotel out of 55,000 hotels in the whole country. We beat everybody except for six others. But those people, TripAdvisor, worldwide leader in ranking of properties like ours, literally sent us a plaque and we were in the Wall Street Journal. And we were never, And you know, our building was nice. It was about a $20 million building on the beach. That's good. But guess what? We built Lagoon. We beat out Ritz-Carlton, Laguna Niguel. We beat out Hawaii. We beat out every other continental and in 50 states because the way people loved their experience, they felt loved. And that feeling of love transmitted into the biggest number of reviews you could have ever imagined. And what's great about reviews on TripAdvisors, they cannot be gamed or played. TripAdvisor has the best algorithms. There's no way any of them could have been in a sense, contrived. They, they were like from the heart. 
And if you go back even now and read them, you're like, holy macaroni, (laughs) five, six, seven paragraphs about who talked to them, who said something to them, who treated them like they were cherished, whatever. And these soul words come out. All right. So what do I mean? Space can and must serve the soul, but service of the soul can trump space. Mm. So what are we doing? We're doing both. So we're basically building a juggernaut here, Pablo. So that answers the space question, I hope. Yeah, yeah. I love it, man. I, you know, if, if I were to recontextualize this outside of the real estate development industry, it's your product can drive happiness, but happiness can drive your product, right? Like oh, relationships yeah. can drive your product, period, right? Like I, I, right. I, I, I very much agree with that. So then you are, you found this formula of driving growth through relationship building and experience building. Now you're in growth mode. What yep. is, what is the key to your growth and what, yeah. you know, what do you need in order to, in order to make growth happen? Yeah. This is why we're on these shows with great people like you. We need a lot of people. And so now I'll start with, we need people in the world of service, people in the world of construction, mostly in the world of our hospitality management group, our Viva May. We're hiring, I think we've just crossed over 200 plus people already. We're hiring a lot more for all over the Eastern seaboard down to Florida and everything. So we actually are seeking team members that believe in those three core values of only hiring people that have joy of service, humility of heart, and ministry as a goal. But so that's a priority. But let me let me explain what happened. So about two years ago, three years ago now, when we were able to do this all on our own, my wife, I enlisted her as my colleague and co-founder on a lot of levels. She's been with me side by side when I built all those cool hotels. I've also built five million, ten million dollar house flips. And so I was in a lot of land development for a period of time. And we set off to create a business that builds a wonderful hospitality company. But guess what? It's very hard to buy multi-million dollar buildings when you and you and with a growth goal of 100 resort properties by uh, 2035. So if we're going to get to 2035 and own 100 resorts and create a lasting change on society, and you might say, why 100 resorts by 2035? Well, because we've all heard of two really famous brands, you and I. We've heard of Four Seasons and we've heard of Ritz Carlton. Both hover around the small 100 number of units worldwide. And they've both impacted hospitality in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Marriott, a phenomenal brand, but it has over 5,500 Marriott's. So you might think, oh, it takes 5,000 to affect the world. No, it actually only takes about 100 to affect the entire world. So we're shooting for 100 because this brand of hospitality is life-giving and we want it to be successful. And we feel it's our calling, not at work. All right. How are we going to do it? We're going to need a lot of capital. We're going to need a, a motivated and engaged team. And we're going to need businesses that are purpose-built to accelerate growth without losing culture. Hmm. So we designed a three-part business. Number one, we created accountable accountable equity. And our cool strategy over life now, I've been involved in business development for 20 years, 30 years actually, is to put the entire mission of a business in its name, kind of like you with your podcast titles. I know what you're about. All I have to read is the title. Yeah. So accountable equity is where normal families from all over the world have joined us to invest 50,000, 25,000, 100,000, not a million, not billions. So they've come in, they now own the real estate. So instead of buying single family houses, they buy cash flowing, properly managed resort assets that provide the same economic benefit 
even the tax savings as a house. Okay. So number one, we researched that for years and that's pretty much where I put a lot of my energy and time is how to design a purpose-built accountable equity, which is an investment firm and an investment community where the funds are designed so beautifully for the investor. But they're ultimately, they were there so Viva May could continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's transparent. We're very clear. So then we build out Viva May, which is the hospitality management company, a la Four Seasons, a la Ritz-Carlton. It's the company that binds it together. We actually run the buildings and hire the staff and, and teach the culture and the training and the skill. Then we needed a hospitality construction company. So we JV'd with one of the best Re, you know, very large scale construction management companies. And we created Hospitality Construction Partners, HCP, because our scalability and not losing sight of the soul in the space, as you and I talked about a minute ago, it's ironic you've brought that up. We've hired full-time, a full-time architect because iterations and development is so important to us. And we've hired, this is amazing. I hope you're sitting down, a land planner from Walt Disney World and from Universal Studios because mm -hmm. our spaces are indoor, outdoor now, and families are welcome. No matter how hoity-toity it might sound to own wineries and resorts and marinas, we want children there too in an organic way so that the family can actually find peace together as well as couples can enjoy it. So we got to do that in an organic way. So there's things for the children that are complementary to the space. Anyway, long story there. We'll tell you some other time. So HCP, our hospitality construction partners. And then you might say, well, then, Josh, why are you a famous podcaster? Why do you care so much about podcasting? Hospitality attracts hundreds and hundreds of employees and team members. And from the beginning, we thought the best thing we could do for our team is give them a place of work that ultimately becomes their calling. That's our hope. But in the meantime, we all know hospitality is a challenging business. It's a grind. And so what if we could create capital hacking? What if we could create a show where the, anybody can get on the boat on the boat of building family wealth? And so capital hacking just simply says it ain't that hard. It ain't Harvard graduate crap. Okay. Making wealth and building a legacy for yourself and your family is not for the elites. It's for us. You know, I grew up on welfare as a family. This is a place for all of us. We can begin. And we teach basic principles of how to build family wealth. And we say there's a code out there, like in the matrix, and all you have to do is hack it. You know, it's the X's and O's. We'll show you that anyone can begin the journey of wealth building and attract capital into their life. So we want our we want our team members to listen to it. Of course, we want everybody in the whole world to listen to it. And then there you go. That's the value chain of what we're doing. I love it. A couple of things I want to call out that I really admire. Any company that figures out how to vertically integrate creates massive value for themselves and for their clientele. Your ability, your ability to vert vertically integrate from the fundraising to the service to the construction makes it so that all those pieces are aligned and they have the same incentives when usually they're playing against each other. And I think that that's brilliant, right? The other thing that I want to that that I would love to call out is this idea that you are using content as a way to scale the message, to make the bat signal for the things that you're trying to attract. I would assume that within your capital hacking message, you're attracting ambitious people that will then end up being guests at your resort as well, and as well as investors and whatnot. You know what? That's a great point. I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, that's another person we hope we attract on that show, meaning we to, to listen to that show. You're right. In the end, I'm sure people do 
find out about our resorts from the show. You're right. Well, I'm going to take it a step further for you, man. I would, I would venture as far as to say that everybody that stays at your resort has some kind of wealth building belief system and would love to create content around their experience at the resort that they can share with their friends, right? Like the, look at my kid having fun. This is my kid talking about the time he had with his dad on his vacation. Not about you, right? Like just bonding the stuff that he's going to, the stuff that this father or mother is going to share with the rest of their PTA friends or their golf group via WhatsApp that is just branded with your resorts, right? And becomes this like family heirloom would be another way to enable this like super consumer class that you have created and add to that experience, right? So like I'm envisioning, I'm envisioning somebody that is on site at your resorts that travels through different resorts and their sole role is to create highlight reels of families for them enjoying themselves and interviewing them interviewing the head of the family about financial planning and how you get to afford such a resort, right? Like what are the smart moves you made that put you here in this? So like pat their ego about how smart and how like they're the smartest rich guy in the room. And then also give them family heirlooms that allow you to be the stage for them having fun that they're going to share via text and WhatsApp and whatever, not promoting you, but your brand will be there. And it's going to, and it's going to spread like wildfire. Oh, I've never, that's mind bending. We'll have to get back to that. You'll have to, we'll have to flow chart that because I, 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 one of the things I talk about all the time here is, is the capture of contact information, right? So mm-hmm. we, we've had an incredible year this year. We've attracted almost a hundred thousand new email readers for our one resort, just one resort. Imagine if you have a hundred of those resorts, right? And you're right. We, we don't have it fully activated the way you're describing with rich content for the family and see how that ripples backwards to us. And I know exactly the value of what you're describing, but you're going to have to help me flow chart that. I got to get somebody on the team. We're like, come on, let's get around a chair and listen to Pablo, the professor. Uh, this is what I do, Josh, right? Like, I would love to help you out with this, man. Like for, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not like pitching you on my podcast to close you, but like, we should, we should have a call now. I, I would you know, love I, that. I see my brain works like the matrix. I see it very, very clearly already. Right. Like I, the first kind of like installation I did of something like this, there's this, there's this trade show in Miami, this conference in Miami called the Emerge Americas conference. It's the collision of Latin America and North American tech. Right. Okay. And in 2019, Pitbull had just bought a minority share and they were in year five and they wanted to transition into being more of a content company, less of an events company, right? A la Mm -hmm. TED Talks. I pitched them on give me some space in your Expo floor room. I'm going to set up a podcast studio with Emerge branding background and we are going to interview the people that come to the conference. And I created this interview structure of what problem do you solve? How'd you find out it was a problem? What have you figured out since then? How does Latin America play into the equation? And where do you find inspiration? That led to me interviewing like 65 founders wow. and CEOs of different startups, all talking about themselves in with the background of Emerge, tying mm-hmm. into the Latin America theme. And the brilliant part of it is that I had an editor on site so that once we finished that interview, we were giving everybody a one and a half, two minute sizzle reel that they would immediately post on LinkedIn. And that created this, this giant, like it, number one, it fed the hell out of my network on LinkedIn. Cause when you're tagging stuff, people are like my friends on TV, who's that person interviewing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it also served as a, as a way to be the stage for people to promote themselves through. Right. So like that was the first aha moment, like execution that I, that I had of that. And since then I've basically, my business is called be the stage. Right? <laughs> yeah. Listen, you and I are, uh, 
but let me just throw this out there. That's the kind of magic that can happen, not only in Podmax and on these events and on yeah. these shows with you, but there's a little something special about those investors that have joined us in Accountable Equity. First of all, they're from all over the country. Yeah, They come to their resort, by the way. Of there's course. so many layers of richness to what's going on here. And I don't think it, we're not following somebody else's model. There's some models that are similar in multifamily. People all gather their funds and buy multifamily buildings and make great returns. Imagine making better returns mm-hmm. and enjoying your asset. That's what we got. So the story is not even yet told, I don't think, I about get it, how man. powerful it is to invest in a resort with a team that you get to know. And then on top of that, accountable equity has attracted some of these kind of like you, Pablo, it's guys that and ladies that have incredible education skills. So we have this whole mastermind community and we don't charge for it. So when you invest, you get like you get like an investor mastermind. You get to come spend four, four times a year. We do it open to our investors on a property, one of our properties. And you just come. You're an investor. So you want to see your property. You want to be around people that are doing keynotes and masterminds and Talk about creating a community that is positive in and of itself while you're making money. Yeah. There's so many layers here, Pablo. It's like it. awesome. That's why I got to get people. So right now I need helpers. I need helpers for our podcast. I need helpers for, I call them wealth mentorships. Mm-hmm. You know, like instead of a kid, we're not talking about 20 year old, even though if you're 20, that's fine. You can call us. But I'm talking about like the 40 year olds like us that are like, I am already successful at this and I'm already successful at that. Thank God. And now I can see a whole new stream of wealth if I kind of get involved in this. Yeah. I'll help. You know, give me a give me a role. Give me an yeah. education role or something. I don't know. Yeah, man. I think I think your move, I, I think you already are your own category, right? Like you are you you are what Tesla is to the automobile industry is what you are to hospitality, right? Like you've created a way for people that had never experienced something one-to-one to what you're doing to fall completely in love with it and be perfectly vertically integrated from the way they spend their money, the way they spend their time and their relationships. Isn't that funny? And, and the they build they- their wealth. Yeah. By the way, you should see what happens because we're not far from New York in one of our properties. So we have wealthy families from New York that come down, they invest yeah. $100,000. We're not talking about million, millions of dollars here. $50,000. And by the way, sometimes they use their IRA, Pablo. That's a mind bender. I get it. I didn't even know that three years ago until people taught me that they could use yeah. their IRA. Yeah, yeah. But here's my point. So they come down. Then they have affluent friends. They bring them. They end up booking like we sell fire pits because yeah. we have this five-acre restaurant outside. So people are coming down during Corona, bringing their friends they haven't seen in months. They're doing basically like an outdoor party, COVID compliant at our place. Yeah. And the average check is probably five to ten, five to a thousand dollars, five hundred to. So that's that same investor that owns the place, correct? Bringing friends to the place, yeah. and they're actually increasing the revenue. That's why we grew by a hundred percent revenue yeah. this year. Yeah, man. That's that's the guy that buys a Tesla that then loves it so much that he buys a Tesla stock that joins the Tesla Facebook group and Reddit community so they know everything about Tesla that goes to the Tesla investment forum to make friends that drive to, you know, you're creating that that's same what's thing a, that's and, what it and is. like, you know, enabling people enable to me the the long-term way, like I believe that we're headed to this future where everything is becoming commoditized, right? Like attention and demand are becoming commoditized. At some point, my my eye is going to constrict because I like your, your vest that you're wearing and my Google Glass is then going to show me all these different Patagonia vests that I can buy, right? Like, and 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 I'm going to say I need a vacation and all of a sudden, Facebook is going to send me to, to, to Puerto Vallarta in a second, right? Like that type of stuff is happening. Same as like, I don't like my job. I'm going to get all these job offers immediately and in, in, in the very near future. The only way that you 
solve for that churn and and preserve and increase your LTV is community, man. Like once 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 you become the Harley Davidson, right? Like the idea that if I buy a Harley in two years, I can't go get a Honda bike because I'll lose my friends because my identity is Harley. <laughs> That's true. You know, like I think every true. business needs to think like that. And I think you have the perfect foundations for that. And I think it's amazing, man. Congrats, dude. It's really, Thanks, really cool. buddy. Yeah. And, and that's why there's a lot of growth happening back to the beginning. Yeah. And the roles I kept at the beginning, I'm letting go for the ability to leverage and grow. Yep. And then you just have to find what your new role is. And that that's what Melanie and I are really struggling with because this early on our, t- our togetherness, Melanie and I, I mean, we envisioned this glorious resort experience that has all come to fruition. But because it's come to fruition, now we have to get out of the way for the next 85 of them, 100 of them, whatever. Dude, consider me an ally in whatever you're doing, man. I, I, I want to help in any way. What do you, you know, before we, before we wrap up here, anybody wants to connect with you, check out the Capital yep. Hacking Podcast, right? Like I would say, I would, I would honestly, I think podcast to podcast is the best way to get a consumer. So I recommend checking out the Capital Hacking Podcast. It's you and my boy, Eric Cabral, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, to, yeah to and Eric, but you're, it gets even better, Pablo. I hate oh to even God. throw more value on top of value fires. But we, Eric also launched Wealth Building with Friends, which is a community. It's just like a community clubhouse, basically, where everybody on the show, is a, it's a roundtable. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, but you're hearing real investors who are doing real stuff like what we're doing in a soft way. So if you've never invested before in your life, Wealth Building with Friends is the softest path in. Wealth building with friends. Is that a podcast to search? Yeah. Eric, okay. Wealth uh, building Eric with friends. Launched that. And then let's say I want to, let's say I want to get in on this game. Let's say I want to put a little skin in there, man. How do I, yeah. invest you know, the, the hub base, the hub of it all is accountable equities, two full words, accountable equity spelled out. You know, that's our business. That's how all the investors join us. All right, man. I'm going to check all that out. What's the minimum investment? Well, you guys are hitting us at a really cool time. We j- it's typically 50,000. We have okay. some options at 25,000. Mm-hmm. But in the next few months, we may be able to accept investors that are not accredited. See, up till today it's only been accredited, which means you either earn 300,000 as a couple or have a million in family wealth. But soon we're going to add a layer of crowdfunding so anybody can join. And that'll probably start at $1,000. So talk about amazing upside coming real soon. Love it, man. I'm about to go sell some Peloton stock and buy in. I'm into it. <laughs> Dude, hey man. Thank you, buddy. Josh, this has been this has been awesome, man. On a on a very, very real level, anytime I see somebody like yourself that is proving beyond the shadow of a doubt that serving others is the way that you become ultimately successful. It is very, very inspirational to me because that is that is the message I'm trying to get out to the world. And I need and I need beacons of that light. I need I need lighthouses to point to for that. Oh, nice. So thank you for becoming a lighthouse in my mission, man. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. It means a lot to me. Can't wait to get you on our shows. Thank you for everything you do. All right. I'm in. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website. 
because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.